0: And some of us, it seems like fewer than I thought, are going to be sitting around a picnic table, similar to this, enjoying some of our favorite picnic foods. Now, my family has a love-hate relationship with picnics. We love being outdoors. We we love that. We love the food. We love some of the fellowship. But... (laughs) Our picnics always seem to get interrupted. Maybe it's ants, sometimes it's flies, but our big enemy is bees or hornets, wasp. My girls, even though they're 21, 20, 19, still run away whenever one of those nasties comes near. Those bees, wasps, and hornets are the enemy at our table. Now, there's a book that I just recently read. It says, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by Louis Giglio. And it's not about bees, hornets, or wasps. It's about a much bigger and more harmful enemy. Our youth are going through this book on Wednesday evenings during the summer. This book and the ideas from it That I'm going to share this morning come from Psalm 23 and I know most of you know this psalm but Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Oh. That's a very beautiful psalm, isn't it? Very comforting. But if we're to be honest with ourselves in our day-to-day life, the psalm might just read a little more like this: "I am my own shepherd." and I'm a mess. I have once. I sure don't have everything that I need. I haven't rested for quite a while now. Still waters? My life is turbulent, like a whirlpool. My soul needs restored. I, don't want I am walking through the valley right now, but I know what fear and evil are. And I'm not sure where I am let alone where you are, God. I seek comfort from wherever I can get it, but to no avail. And my enemies are not just in my presence, they're seated at the table with me. My cup definitely overflows. It overflows with anger and sorrow and rage and hurt and pain and fear. And I'm not sure what all is following me. But I sure can't see goodness and mercy in my rearview mirror. And heaven seems so far away and distant. But I can tell you one thing my soul, it's not so great. I know that that's me in a lot of days. What about you? Do you have days like this? And unfortunately, many of us have more days like this than we have Psalm 23 days. And so we're going to take a look at Psalm 23 this morning and see if we can't move our hearts, our lives, and our souls closer to what the psalmist wrote than where we currently are and what we're currently experiencing. And maybe we cannot give the enemy a seat at our table. Because when we allow Jesus to be our shepherd, he steps into our stress, he steps into our mess. And he replenishes us he leads us he watches over us and he gives us rest and he will show us how to deal with our enemies so they don't tear us apart inside jesus gives us a hope and a future the lord is my shepherd the key to not giving the enemy a seat at our table Is in this very first verse. This is our first step. We need to let the Lord be our shepherd. And this means that we have to admit that we are like sheep. The basic nature of sheep is to follow, and we'll follow anyone or anything if left to our own devices. We will usually follow the wrong thing, even to our own harm. Sheep left to their own devices are doomed, just like us. In addition to following the wrong things, sheep are pretty much defenseless. No horns, no real claws, not even a really sharp brain to avoid danger. So put together that we're pretty much defenseless and we like to follow the wrong things, we really do need a shepherd or we too will be doomed. And so admitting that we are sheep is just the first step. The second is to admit we need a shepherd and then to follow the right shepherd. And this is what's so wonderful about the biblical imagery of the sheep and the shepherd and their relationship between the two. The shepherd leads. He doesn't push us from behind. He knows the way. He leads us in ways that he knows are safe. He guides us through rough patches always finding water and good pasture and is there to help the young ones when the way is too difficult and if need be the shepherd will carry a sheep when it cannot walk on its own all these are wonderful truths for us to hold of to hold on to to provide comfort and encouragement along our own rough and rocky journey that we are on but let us never lose sight of this important truth christ is to lead and we're to follow His role is to speak, to teach, to guide. Our role is to listen, to learn his voice, and to obey. The sheep does not outrun the shepherd. The sheep does not make its own plans or pursue its own desires or decide what is best for itself. And at the end of each day, the sheep lies down with the shepherd close by. And in the morning, the sheep wakes to the shepherd's call. So the real challenge for us as Christians is to first acknowledge that we are sheep and not shepherd and that we need someone to follow. The second challenge is to determine who or what we are following. Do we follow Christ's voice half-heartedly, straying right and left, even backwards at times, as something a little more tempting or comfortable catches our attention are we easily distracted by the sounds and sights of the world because we like sheep continually go our own way and we set ourselves up for one disaster after another or we can choose the way of obedience yield to his voice and make it the single most important thing the sound by which we live our lives by day and by night If we want the blessings found in Psalm 23, then we first need to make the Lord our shepherd. The first blessing, I shall not want. Now we have to remember this psalm was written by David, the king of Israel, a warrior, a mighty man. So when David says, I shall not want, He's acknowledging how completely reliant he is on the one true God as his shepherd. I shall not want, because Jesus as the good shepherd will make certain that I have everything that I need. Not everything that I want, but everything that I need. And it's not because of what I've done or can do, but it's because God loves me. We live in a world that, can, that is continually telling us we need more, that we should want more, that it's never enough. But Jesus can take us to a place where we can be truly satisfied and content. I shall not want, because I know Jesus, the good shepherd, and I'm following him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. David penned these famous words. The people of Israel would have known how hard it is to get sheep to lie down. Sheep are defenseless. All they can do is run away, and even then, they can't run fast. So that's why sheep stand up most of the time. They want as much of a head start as possible when danger comes. Also, a sheep wants a full stomach, so they're constantly grazing, on the move, looking for food. And so for a sheep to lie down, it must have been fed and it must feel safe. So David here is saying that God will provide everything we need, like a green pasture that will provide plenty of food. And then he will give us such an overwhelming sense of peace and safety that we have no choice but to lie down because we have everything that we need and are content. Are we allowing God to lead us? because that is the only way to experience and enjoy true contentment. Otherwise, we will have want and we will not be able to lie down. We will be constantly searching and looking in vain for something else. But with God, we can lie down in green pastures content, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. No wants, just fulfillment lie down in green pastures, a life fulfilled and content. He leads me beside still waters. Once again, it is God who we need to lead us. This time, it's by still waters. In the Hebrew, still waters means literally restful waters. One of the most relaxing things in life is the sound of a slowly flowing stream of water. It's a place of calm and peace, no distractions, no hurry. And Jesus wants to lead us to a place of rest, a place of trust, a place where we can rely on him, focus on, on him. Jesus wants to take the heavy load from our lives and replace it with his everlasting peace and rest. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. Isn't that a wonderful, comforting passage? Passage. We need to cast off the burdens that we allow ourselves and others to place on us. Again, this rest, this peace, is all about coming to Jesus. Another thought included in this verse is the fact that we need water, and even more importantly, living water. And Jesus, our good shepherd, wants to lead us to a place where we can quench our thirst physically and spiritually. The kind of water that will satisfy, comfort, and nourish our souls forever. I love to camp. And a green pasture beside a still water sounds so inviting and refreshing. And we can have that more, not just for physical refreshment, but also for a far deeper need, our spiritual refreshment. That is a place that I want to be led to. He restores my soul. In English, this is four simple words. In Hebrew, it's two simple words. But what does it mean, he restores my soul? Well, we have to remember that this is connected to what came before, having a good shepherd. Ezekiel chapter 34, I think, will help us with this. Ezekiel was prophesying against the shepherds of Israel. And in this chapter, we see, What the worthless earthly shepherds do versus what God, the good shepherd, does. So Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesying, say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, all shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you close yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered... They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. These shepherds did not take care of the flock. They didn't feed them. They didn't care for the sick. They did not heal their diseases. And those that were lost or scattered, they did not go after. And so the flock strayed and were scattered. Compare this. To what God, our good shepherd, does. For thus says the Lord God Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. God himself is our good shepherd. And he seeks us out. He rescues us. He will feed us. He will make us lie down in green pastures. He will bind up the injured, strengthen the weak. He will bring justice. The good shepherd, when we stray, will bring us back to the fold. My life, my soul, my nefesh in the Hebrew. God gives life. He restores life. And those of us who are sick, those of us who are injured, God will strengthen and heal us. He will restore us to full life. We were all dead in our trespasses and sin, and God, through Jesus, brought us back to life. He restores our soul, and when we stray, he will bring us back again and restore us again. We can once again be in fellowship with God and our soul can be restored. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God wants to lead us on the correct path, a path of honesty, a path of uprightness, a path of justice. And God will lead us in the right way. The paths of righteousness will lead us to eternal life. According to Scripture, paths of righteousness are the safest roads to travel. From Proverbs, these paths are ultimately avenues of safety, wisdom, justice, right living, integrity, and internal blessings. They are ways of pleasantness and paths of peace, according to Proverbs. And God does this because of his name. It is his reputation that is on the line. He does it for his glory, and yet we receive the benefits. Who doesn't want to travel on a path that is safe, full of wisdom, that is pleasant and brings peace and has eternal blessing? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Because God is our shepherd, because God has us lie down in green pastures, because God leads us beside still waters, because God restores our soul, because God is faithful, we can trust him where he leads us even if it is a dark valley, even if it's a valley of death. We do not need to fear because our good shepherd is with us. Even though, even though, no matter what we are going through, even though it is a valley, we do not need to fear evil because our faithful God is with us every step of the way. He leads the way through the valley because we are never ever alone. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In this part of the passage, we have a mixture of discipline and grace. The rod can refer to a scepter, like a king would have, that shows power and authority. A rod can also be used as a stick to discipline or correct someone. I am sure this never happened to you, but when I was growing up, A rod was used once or twice on me. The board of education applied to the seat of learning. (laughs) In other words, I got spanked. But a rod is not just used for discipline. Shepherds did use the rod to correct and guide the sheep. But they also used it to protect the sheep from predators. God will protect us, his sheep. From the wolves of the world. And a staff was a stick that one can lean on. Now, God does not need a staff for himself. He does not grow weary or tired. But we do. And his staff is there for us to lean on. To find rest. And to find peace. And so we do not need to fear evil. Because God is with us. And while we are going through the valley. God has a rod to protect us. And a staff to bring us comfort and rest. We truly do have a good shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is a beautiful picture. We're at rest. We're reclining. We're dining with God at a glorious banquet table. But if I would have written this probably would have left out the part about it being in the presence of my enemies it kind of distracts from the beauty of the moment <laughs> but god chose to put this table right in the midst of battle right in the middle of the chaos of our lives this table is right in the midst of our marriage or family falling apart our financial troubles sickness and death, job stress, misunderstandings and arguments, whatever we are battling internally inside us or externally outside of us, this table is right there in the middle of the trouble. This glorious feast, this beautiful table is right in the center of all our mess. The Bible often uses the term table as a figurative expression for God's salvation, peace, and presence. In the Old Testament, when they had the tabernacle, there was a table in the tabernacle. And on that table was placed the bread of the presence. So this table represents God with us in the midst of our mess and in the new testament there will once again be a feast the marriage supper of the lamb being with God forever and so this is a table of fellowship you and God and all of us as believers are welcome at this table The God of the universe, of creation, the God who died for you, who saved you, wants to sit down with you. And the wonder of this table is not all the great food and drink, it is who you are with. But too often in today's hectic world, we'd rather just have a cup of coffee, maybe take a selfie, and be on our way in our busy lives. But even if we do stay a minute, right out there all around us is the enemy. And the enemy is unhappy that we are sitting down with the king. And the enemy wants to distract us. He wants to sit down at our table with us and keep us from fellowship with God. They are not invited, but this enemy will do everything to sit down at this table with us. The enemy is not our friend. He may appear that way at first. Scripture says that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. He may appear to understand and kind like he did in the garden with Eve. But the enemy wants to devour us. And the three big things he will use is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He will use whatever he can to sit down at this table. And his goal is always the same. He wants to destroy us. He wants to put harmful thoughts in your head. He wants to kill your relationship with God. He wants to cause division between you and the people who care for you. He's a murderer. He's vicious. The devil wants to lure and entice us away from God, often using our own desires, our own lust. He wants to bury us and kill our dreams, to distract us from the purpose that God has for us. He wants to steal our self-worth, take away our confidence and hope, destroy our marriages and families, erode our relationships with one another within the church, ruin our reputations, have us live in fear and doubt and guilt. But sin, temptation, poor thought, life, guilt do not need to hold us down or distract us from the table of God because jesus has overcome and this is not just preacher talk or religious feel-good saying it's the gospel truth it's a battle of the mind we need to remember that we are seated with christ in the heavenly places and that jesus has given us the victory satan would have us think otherwise and so we need to do what second corinthians 10 5 says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We need to practice taking every thought captive so that we can obey Christ and get the enemy away from our table. And Philippians 4.8 is a compass to help us with this battle for our mind. Fondly, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What is true that I need to think about? What is honorable that I need to meditate on? What is just and pure and lovely and commendable that I need to focus on These are the things I need to be thinking about. These are the things that will keep the enemy from sitting at the table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And not only does God do that, He goes further. He says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is an ancient custom of hospitality and respect shown to highly favored or esteemed dinner guest. The oil was mixed with perfume to refresh and to soothe the weary traveler. We as believers are the Lord's special guest. And we receive God's favorable anointing. David recognized that he and us have been granted a high honor of a place at the Lord's supper table, a table where we can come as often as we want and stay for as long as we want. And while we're there, God will anoint us. He'll refresh us. He will soothe us this oil is also a symbol of joy and gladness of heart so at god's table our hearts are refreshed even in the immediate threat of enemies we will experience joy and gladness to the point that our cup will overflow so no matter what the challenges and pressures of life at god's table we can find shelter in god's presence We find comfort, we find peace, joy, gladness to the point that it overflows in and out of our hearts. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. But God doesn't stop, he continues. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever the final blessings. Goodness and mercy are always found in God's house at his table and they will accompany us for the rest of our lives. The word for goodness in the original language means that which is pleasing or valuable or useful. And the term for mercy can also be translated loyal love, steadfast love or unfailing love. The same word that God uses as it relates to the faithfulness of his covenant. And to follow, it means to accompany, to go with. Where we go, goodness and mercy will go with us. So when David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, he's giving human-like qualities to the blessings of the Lord. And because the Lord is good, these two companions, goodness and mercy, will be with me as I travel the road of life. Our good and merciful shepherd is the same God who passed in front of Moses in Exodus 34. It says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, He is the same God to whom Israel sang, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Even in the presence of our enemies, we can be sure of God's goodness and faithful love. As believers, we can trust that the Lord's overflowing blessings will remain with us no matter what circumstances we face. If we dwell in the house of the Lord continually, we are under his constant protection. Psalm 27, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling." He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me on high upon a rock. God is the perfect shepherd and host. As our shepherd, the Lord provides personal care and guidance, companionship, protection, and security. And as our eternal host, God welcomes us to a feast at his rich table of abundant and overflowing blessings. And we can abide in his house forever. His presence, his protection, his unfailing love will surround us for all eternity. And we can say with David, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. At this time, Scott's going to come up and he's going to uh, play a song for us. But while he's coming up, let's read this psalm one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.